to you live from the Chamber of Haunters studio. This is Haunting You. I am your host, Leslie Reed. And I'm Keone Hutton. Welcome back, everyone, to the Haunting You podcast. I know what you're thinking, uh, like right off the bat. Where the hell have you guys been? Let me tell you, it has been a crazy <laughs> ass month. We intended to put an episode out for October 1st. It didn't happen. We intended to put an episode out for October 15th. Today's October 16th, and we're just recording it, so clearly that didn't happen. But that's what happens when you're trying to build three haunts at the same time. Like, what what do you want from me? <laughs> well, we know what John would say. More. What would John say? Do better. Do better. Do better. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but it, the last month has just been absolutely phenomenal. I'm so excited to talk about it and and what else is happening uh, because it's been it's been great. To recap, for those of you who have not listened to the last several episodes, uh, I'm building three haunts this year. We have the uh, the Candlelighters Ghost House, which is in Fremont, California. And then for the Coast Guard Base Harvest Festival, I am building two haunts. One is a zombie-themed haunt in a uh, abandoned building, and then the other I'm turning my ship into a haunted house, which I'm very excited about, and I love building haunted ships. It's so much fun. So we have practice. Okay. It's entertaining and everything's and, all ready to go. We just have to put the props in there. Exactly. Exactly. And that's part of why I love it so much because it honestly makes things so much easier. But we're we're now halfway through October and uh I'm I'm behind. Oh my god, I'm behind. <laughs> I am a little bit afraid of what's gonna happen over the next two weeks to get us to opening on uh, on the Coast Guard. So let me back up. Candlelighters Ghost House uh, is based in Fremont, California. I've talked about them a lot. Uh, the Candlelighters are a local nonprofit organization, and they've been doing this haunted house for like 53 years. I think this is year number 53. So it, it's a long established haunt. And that it's it's been very cool to be a part of that. So they opened on Thursday, October 13th, and I got to go and guest act as as part of that opening because i'm you know going to be so busy with my building my two haunts now the rest of the month i told them look i can't help with running your haunt but i'll happily jump in every so often and and do some guest acting because i just think it would be fun so i took mortimer ghost from uh, from bfx the the puppet and he and i would just wander around the the midway uh <laughs> entertaining people in the queue line messing with people in the midway and he has been just such a hit everybody freaking loves mortimer ghost and has had so much fun interacting with him my favorite thing to do has been to find people who are like concentrating on conversation with their friends or looking at their phone or whatever and just sneaking up behind them putting like Mortimer right next to their head and then hitting his sound effects so that he starts talking and people flip the <laughs> out it has been just <laughs> phenomenal absolutely phenomenal which just <laughs> but, goes to remind you all pay attention when you're pay in queue attention lines. when you are in the queue line because you don't know who's going to come for you <laughs> and he could oh. be like Mortimer or not or less so exactly on that note I I was pawing through Hunter's hangout the other day and another uh, queue line a queue line actor um, just poses something like has anyone noticed how many people are asking them to take their pictures in the queue line this year it seems unusually high and they're always surprised when I walk off with their phone (laughs) (laughs) like what are you expecting people (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing handing off your phone to a on actor oh that's just asking for trouble <laughs> <It really laughs> is. but yeah so 
I have been just super excited about how the how the ghost house turned out. It has like each of the rooms came together in the last minute in a way that I did not think they were going to come together. So and it was it was a sight to see. If you are in Northern California, I highly recommend go check out the ghost house. It is a lot of fun. The target audience, granted, is much younger than uh, what I traditionally build for. But it's been very cool to see this 50 year old tradition because I keep running into people like adults older than me who are like, I remember coming here 40 years ago when I was four years old and now I get to bring my four year old daughter and, and let her enjoy the same thing. I'm like, that is so freaking cool. And you just don't see that very often in the industry. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been very gratifying to be a part of. It's also cool that, you know, they have such a, a community base to have people coming back for literally decades. Decades. Seriously. Like having that kind of a a customer base, like I can't imagine it. I, I have no idea what that's like. That's so freaking cool. Oh, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Go check them out. Fremont, California. You can find them. Uh, Candlelighters Ghost House on Facebook has all the info. They're open now until October 30th. Check them out while you can. But I've got two other haunts that I need to be concentrating on now because we are literally 12 days from opening and I'm not ready yet. But and we're making good how progress. how many of the rest of you are in the same boat? <laughs> I know. For those of you Every, who have not opened. For you know, everyone who already. has not opened, those who you know, only run on Halloween or the weekend before Halloween, whatever, I'm sure you're in the same boat I am. But at least you have the ability to like work on your displays throughout the month, whereas... We're just trying to get everything ready. And then we have literally four days to set up, run it a day to take down. Like that, that is what my, my last week of October is going to look like. And that is, of course, on top of my regular job, just trying to get the ship fixed. Honestly, at this moment, my regular job is getting in the way of my haunting and I'm not okay with it. We need to, we need to get this done because haunting needs to take my priority soon. So I, I want to talk real quick about kind of where we are on, on those preps and uh, before we jump into the, the main topic for today. So the, the theme for the, the haunted ship, if you listen back a couple episodes, was a basically your, your lost ship kind of theme. The ship ra- got lost in the fog, ran aground on Alcatraz, and then all of the malevolent spirits who had been living on, who had been trapped on Alcatraz Island, found an escape on board the ship. And so they have t- kind of taken over the ship. So we are and they brought along some friends and they brought along some friends. So like today I was busy making uh, giant Pacific octopus tentacles. The tentacles are done. I just need to paint them. So that's what I'll be doing when we uh, are done podcasting today. Uh, last week we were building, we made like a bunch of body bags. Uh, we made the, uh, we got started on the brig, which worked out like the actual maintenance on the ship has kind of been convenient because <laughs> Like we, uh, so uh, on our AC, so the air conditioners are like the size of cars, right? They're just absolutely freaking enormous air conditioning units. And at the bottom of that is a huge uh, condenser heat exchanger that, uh, to, that the, it's used for cooling, right? Well, inside of that are all of these copper tubes. And I had to replace 140 of these copper tubes. But guess what? Now I have 140 copper tubes. So we built a frame and we're using those copper tubes as the bars for the brig. And it, it, I'm so excited with how it's working out. It's, it's going to be beautiful. That's awesome. I did, 
got to do some painting there, but otherwise the brig is basically done. And then I don't know, a brig out of copper, I'd almost leave it and see what you can't do to electrify it a little bit. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So, you know, we're doing uh, vertical, uh, vertical bars and then horizontal bars. So the copper will all be the same. Just the frame needs to get painted to hide it. And then, yeah, horizontal and vertical bars so that we have good connectivity throughout and then that will be the electrical so we'll have a some with a bat there to uh to do the thing in fact we're putting a mermaid inside of the brig uh that's what uh they captured and has been locked up in the brig and so the mermaid's gonna be trying to bust her way out then i be a mermaid <laughs> <laughs> then i'm working on this bat i know right i know you do <laughs> anytime we can give leslie an electrified bat then we, uh, I'm working on a spider costume. So basically we want to make a man-sized spider. So I've got a bunch of legs and building out a PVC, found some really nasty brown fur um, <laughs> that the candle lighters let me have, like brown fur fabric that wrapping all of those in. And that's going to be the legs for our spider. Slip it on in a backpack. And then my makeup artist already has plans to basically glue extra eyes onto the the uh onto the face to get that eight eye look it's it's going to be phenomenal you, I'm so you have excited. a fantastic fantastic makeup artist oh i am so excited with what she's planning she like, so her her frozen dead guy looks amazing spot right on. Spot, spot on, spot on. <laughs> and she's already shown me like uh latex prosthetic pieces she's going to do to do like uh missing chunks of the nose and missing chunks of the ear nice. i'm i'm so excited with with how that's going to turn out we, we really lucked out uh, just having this random makeup person as part of the crew um, who has done like professional effects makeup for the Hippodrome Theater in Baltimore, like has actually done professional effects makeup. It's really exciting to be able to tap into that, that skill set. So working on the spider, working on the tentacles, we are doing paper mache creatures. Uh, so we started an eel head, like an eel head puppet that's going to attack people from out of the kelp. And then want, still want to get like a giant crab claw. And then mm, if I can find snacks. a way to do it, uh, we want a shark as well. I found some foam, so I might be getting out my foam carving tools that I got from um, Hotwire Foam Factory and trying to uh, make a, a shark head out of foam. Hard Keep foam your fingers crossed. It's a, it's a pretty rigid foam. It looks okay. like it's like an expanded. So it was a packing like packing foam around something, but it looks like mm. you fill up the bag, pour in the two-part foam, and then uh -huh. form it around whatever's in there to make a perfect thing. So okay. it's a really rigid foam, but it's super weird shapes. We'll see how it turns out. I don't know yet. Zombie um, shark. Zombie, zombie shark. shark. I got jump set up in the yes. like on the TV. So jump is ready to go. I still need to do the facade in front of it uh, to basically make a porthole in front of the television. But mm -hmm. uh, jump the shark works beautifully and I love him. <laughs> and then the other big thing I'm working on right now is the, I finally got the timers, the time delay triggers in from purgatory props. And so uh, I need to, I can find, I finally have everything that I need to make the, the three projector ghost work. So I'm going to be working on that today to see if I can get that working. And then I'll take it into the ship this week and actually set it up and test it and see how well it looks. I'm, Oh, I'm so excited. Les. <laughs> but that's just on the haunted ship. Like, that's only what, half of what I have to do in the <laughs> next two weeks. The other one is the zombie haunt. And 
that one is coming along really well as well. I was able to get in and do all of the electronic, like all of the digital decorations. So frosted shower curtains from Walmart, $6.87 at Walmart. And it is the perfect freaking screen. I'm using it all over the zombie hunt. Nice. And it looks phenomenal. We have uh, the zombie glass breaker from Hello FX. I have uh, the zombies trying to bust down the front doors from Spectral Illusions. And that's the one that's like actually facing the outside. And it looked amazing when I was testing mm. it the other night. Go yeah, check video. out the video. Does not do it justice. There's so much glare from the other lights around. Mm -hmm. But when you're actually there, the, the, you can't see the glare nearly as badly. And it looks about phenomenal. I'm so excited. Go check, go check out our Facebook at facebook.com slash haunting you or Instagram, Instagram.com slash haunting university. You'll see the videos there. I have been, I'm posting them as I'm building. So go check it out now. So most of the digital effects there are done. And, oh, I don't even know if I want to talk about this because it turns out they're out of business, which is like very depressing. A couple of years ago, I had gotten into uh, projection mapping using a, system called Lightform. And Lightform has unfortunately gone out of business. I don't have any details. It happened literally in the last two months. And I only realized when I went to download software updates so I could um, so I could put it on my new computer. But I still freaking love their product. I was able to take the um, take my projector and my Lightform and literally like do the projection mapping on the inside of the doorway for the zombie haunt. So I have a great projector. It's perfectly mapped to the doorway and it looks spectacular. There's no distortion or anything else. It's perfect because it's projection mapped. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm so sad that they went out of business. If any yeah. of you are listening, I'm sorry. I wish you were, I, I wish there was something I could do. I guess I could have bought more of your products and helped, but whatever. Anyway. So the projection mapping is, is just spectacular. So where we are there, all the walls are up, like all the temporary walls we needed to build. The digital effects are done. So it really just needs to be decorated at this point. And I've got all of my zombies there. They're set up. They just need to get moved into position and wiring and lighting and, and sound and all that. So that one's actually coming along. I reasonably think it'll be basically done this week, which is good because then I can move on to the, the ship exactly when I need to, to, to make the ship happen. So I think I'm on track. If we can get all the props built, but I'm a little worried right now. I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm freaking out. Again, it just has to be done and done is relative. I, <laughs> I say this every year. Like I have never once in my life put on the show that I intended to at the start, but nobody knows that. And I have to keep that in mind. Nobody knows what I intended to accomplish. They will only see what I did accomplish. So <laughs> I, the stuff that I'm able to do, do it well. And then don't worry about the rest because you got to run a show at that point. Say, perfect is great. You're never going to get there. Done is good enough. Done is good enough. Exactly. Exactly. But that segues us beautifully into the topic of today's podcast. You know, we have spent so many of our 63 or 64 episodes talking about planning your haunt, which is good because that is kind of what we do. We, we, we plan and we build, but why do we plan and build? Like, why do we spend all of this time planning and building? Well, of course, it's to actually freaking run the thing, to execute. 
And so today we we really want executions. We support. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I really want to focus on that third phase of the haunting you method, the presentation phase, because especially because I've gotten to, um, to guest act with candlelighters. I've run our own haunts, you know, for, for the last several years, it's given me some fresh ideas about, uh, about the execution phase that um, I just think is worth talking about here today. And we've discussed this a little bit, um, both in our rundown of uh, the last haunted ship we did and just kind of in, in piecemeal over, over our cast of episodes. But again, just kind of reiterating things that we've talked about, taking new lessons that we've learned and bringing them, putting them all together so that way you, our listeners, can take advantage of our experience and screw ups. Exactly. Exactly. So if you don't remember, uh, the hunting you method is broken down into three phases. The first phase is, of course, the planning phase. This is when we're, uh, we're doing the paper planning. We're defining our goals, f- identifying the audience, identifying the theme and backstory, we're looking at budget, we're looking at marketing, and then we're designing the layout. So all of the paper planning that goes into building one of our haunts. The second phase, the production phase, is when we take that paper and start actually producing something. So we're laying out the layout, making sure that it's going to work in the physical space that we have available. We're actually doing the building, construction. We are building the soundscape. We're building the costumes and props and uh, lighting. All of that is part of the production phase. Once we have that ready, then it's time to actually present our show. And that's where we are. It is presentation time and it's time to welcome your guests. So the things that we're going to be looking at in the presentation phase, in the presentation phase, uh, we're dressing the costumes, we're dressing makeup. So we're getting all of the costumes on people making sure they fit properly, making sure they're, um, there's nothing dangerous there to the actors or to the, um, to the guests. We are doing the makeup. We're making sure that they look the part. We're making sure all of our props are in the right location. And this is happening every freaking day because you know what? Crazy happens every props night wander. when you props wander. And I, I have stories about that from the candlelighter. <laughs> we are dressing the set. All of those finishing touches that make the set pop all of the things that make it feel real they need to be in place every day and we need and we're checking it every day to make sure it's ready and of course we are opening the haunts and welcoming guests inside so over the last week i've gotten to see how the candlelighters execute all of these phases and i think there's some really good lessons that i've taken away that i want to share with everyone honestly because you know everything has been so busy, we have not been able to prep this quite the way we would a normal episode. And so literally yesterday, while watching my kids bounce around in a play area for two and a half hours, I was just sketching, <laughs> trying to sketch down all of the thoughts I've had over the last two or three days. Did they have a bouncy castle? It was not a bouncy castle. Oh. But like this play area is freak. Like picture your, your typical McDonald's play area. Mm-hmm. But it is six times the size of your typical McDonald's play area, but the same kind of like tubes and climbing Mm -hmm. things. It's literally like three stories tall. It is amazing. I want to (laughs) go. Why don't they make these things for grownups? I know. Right. Seriously. It's super cool. Um, 
but all of that aside, I was, I was able to at least sketch down some thoughts while my kids were throwing, you know, balls and blocks and climbing all over this giant play structure yesterday. But it means that it's not necessarily organized in any, I'm going to say coherent way. It's really just as it came to me and we'll, as it, yeah. So it's, we're going to talk about it a, a little bit crazily because of that. So yeah, traditionally for us, <laughs> you're not wrong. You are not wrong. So big thing that has struck me in, in watching the candlelighters run their haunt is their use of the facilities and what has been so fast. So because they're, they build in this carriage house and the carriage house is there all the time. And really in the off season, all it is is storage for uh, a lot of their, their building materials. And they literally construct everything out of uh, what's inside that house and a couple of semi-trucks worth of supplies. That means that there's no permanent facilities there for them to take advantage of. They have to, everything that they have, they have to bring in. And it made me really start thinking about, well, especially if you're working in a temporary facility, the way many haunts do, how do you handle all of these things? So restrooms. You absolutely have to have restrooms for your actors at a minimum, and even better if you can provide it for your, uh, for your guests as well. People are not going to want to come and spend several hours at your haunt and not have a place to go to the bathroom. The way the candlelighters handle it is, I think, the easiest way, and that is just to rent a couple of porta-potties and, um, then, and provide them for, for people. If you're in a permanent building, then uh, that has restrooms and you can make those accessible to your patrons even better. But I think at a minimum, having some sort of porta potty and uh, the servicing for the porta potty is absolutely critical. The servicing is not to be underestimated. Do not forget the servicing, especially if you're, Um, I mean, if you're open for one night, fine, not a big deal. If you're open for two and a half weeks, you're going to have to have it serviced in that time. Well, and if you have a spike, and see, this is also where recognizing your throughput and estimating how many guests you're going to have is crucial because you need those numbers to calculate when you should be calling out for when servicing. When you need it serviced, exactly. And what, I mean, what does servicing consist of? Pumping the tank, replacing hand soap or hand sanitizer, whatever, you know, is in there. Uh, these porta potties are kind of nice because they actually have one of those little foot pump sinks so you, there's actually mm. real soap in it and you can wash your hands in it. But that means that the water reservoir needs to get filled every so often. The soap needs to be refilled every so often. Toilet paper needs to be refilled every so often. And then every night, they're also locking up the porta potty so that it's not being used when they're not open, using all of those supplies more quickly than, um, than anticipated. Well, and also helping to prevent vandalism and that as well. Other such, you know, questionable choices. Indeed. And something that I liked, they use, they're using padlocks that have a combination instead of a key. I see a lot of benefit to that because you don't have to worry about the one guy with the key not being there for whatever reason. It's a code. Everybody on site knows it and anybody can open it during the preps for opening that night. So restrooms, huge. And then uh, very similarly, uh, anytime you have a large group of people who are congregating in a location, they're going to produce trash. And holy sh! do they produce trash. <laughs> so having a way to easily get rid of that trash, absolutely critical. Garbage cans and recycling cans, 
spaced periodically throughout your uh, throughout your space. And I don't mean like inside the haunt, but along the queue line. If you have a midway throughout the midway, and then making sure you have a workforce that can take care of emptying those at the end of the night, collecting all of the trash, making sure you have a place that all that trash can go, renting a dumpster, for instance, uh, absolutely critical. Otherwise, you end up with a trash location and that nobody's going to feel comfortable in because it is trashed. Well, and that's the thing is the you want to make the trash cans easily accessible and um, also highly visible because yes. a lot of people, they're not going to, especially like in queue lines and things like that, they're not going to want to walk far or at all to get rid of trash. So if, if there's not something handy, they're just going to drop it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you need to have the crew to be walking around, picking up trash off the floor instead yep. of just um, emptying trash cans. Yeah. And that's something that I think the candlelighters have done pretty well. They actually have a couple of people designated for just walking around and dealing with that sort of thing. So they they have like people who are designated as security and the security are also walking around and picking up trash, emptying the trash cans if they get full in the middle of the night, um, taking care of those uh, those mid show issues that that may come up. And I'll talk a little bit more about uh, security here shortly when we get to to late a little later. Story's coming. <laughs> uh, where is a lot of that trash coming from? Well, in the case of the candlelighters, uh, food is a big one. So they offer concessions. And the more I think about it, the more I think concessions are critical to making a good show. Well, keep For a couple there. of reasons. It keeps everybody there. Exactly. If you, especially for a for-profit or even a not-for-profit, if you're trying to bring in money for whatever reason, having a reason for people to stay there is absolutely critical. And that's one of the things that I really like about the Candlelighters. They have like uh, a carnival midway set up outside the house that has games and it has caramel apples, fresh dipped caramel apples. Oh my God, Les, they're amazing. But uh, they've got that. Then they've got like the a little kitchen trailer that offers coffee and hot chocolate and hot dogs and nachos. Apparently, we went through just a ridiculous number of nachos on Friday night. Ran out of jalapenos. There were so many nachos people people wanting nachos. Wow! Right? Like I love nachos, but that still surprised me. Um, but offering being able to offer something like that gives people a reason to stay and spend money. The more money they spend, the more profit you are making. It also gives people, you know, hey, we didn't have time to go grab something. You can control the type of trash that is on site. So instead of being like, oh, yeah, we had to go grab something. So we ran to the you know grocery store and got this big old spread. And there's you know way more trash from that than if they had just had concessions. So you can control what type of trash you're dealing with on site. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And even like the games, uh, most of the games are offering, you know, ring toss and these ball toss games and and face painting and all that. And they're offering, um, you know, silly little prizes for that that kids would enjoy you ton of like the spider rings or um, plastic necklaces and Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And it's amazing how much of that ends up getting dropped and left behind as trash as well. In fact, we went back yesterday uh, before 
opening because we had to do some repairs. I brought my kids along with me. They were helping me do repairs, super helpful, but they were also <laughs> walking the midway and collecting all of the toys, quote unquote, that got dropped. And they were super excited to be picking up all of these toys. <laughs> of course they were. Of course they were. And, but I mean, it also helped us clean up the midway. So it, oh, no, it worked absolutely. out. <laughs> it, 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 go, go hunting, go, go hunting. Go and, hunting. And, Let's see except, what you find. except for those stupid little like plastic vampire teeth like mm. children do not put those in your mouth <laughs> do not pick up vampire teeth off the ground and put them in your mouth Ugh. <laughs> i just have this image of this very very old vampire who's lost his dentures <laughs> <laughs> and your children picking them up and running around with them in their mouth. Going, rah, 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 rah. Uh, gross. Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> so along with that, if you were offering concessions, and even if you're not, uh, you need to think, be thinking about your utilities, uh, water, electricity in particular, and then heat, AC, maybe depends on your on your venue. But uh, water and electricity, absolutely critical you need to be thinking about how you're going to get them. So is there a, uh, a water hose that you can hook up to uh, for your concessions? Is there power at your location or do you need to bring in or rent a generator or, or some other source of power? Especially like if you're doing some sort of haunted trail, how are you getting power to all of your props? How are you lighting the trail? Are you lighting the trail? Um, all, all questions to think about while you fire. are in the planning, not fire, probably. <laughs> Although if you are living in an area where uh, it is less flammable than here in California, uh, or maybe or Colorado, maybe a fire is not, like, maybe you can have a bonfire for people to be gathering around mm. in your midway. That would be a lot of fun, right? Marshmallow roasting. Marshmallow roasting. Yeah. God, I wouldn't even want to walk within 30 feet of that bonfire if there was just like free for all marshmallow roasting. I, that just the sticky on the floor. I just, oh, I just you. can't see the, like the fire marshal getting behind this plane. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. On actually, that brings up an interesting point. This was the first time I actually got to like witness the preps for the fire marshal to come out, and it was kind of enlightening, just because it hasn't been a problem for me as a home hunter. But thing, things that uh, they were thinking about that I was definitely not thinking about: uh, smoke detectors and placement and uh, usage, as well as like exit signs and the locations for fire extinguishers and threshold size, especially for like the entrance and exit ramp, you can't have, they couldn't have more than, and so very specific to Northern California, Alameda County, uh, because that's where we are. And that was the, uh, the inspector who came out. But in our case, couldn't have more than an eighth of an inch lip between boards on the on the ramps or like handrails handrails had to be 30 inches off of the ground and continuous on at least one side of the ramp you didn't have to be on both but one side had to have it and then anywhere where uh, our gas were too the gas between boards were too large we actually had to put down a metal threshold to ease that gap so th that was absolutely fascinating. And uh, I love the way that they did the exit signs. They have literally a bunch of exit signs that are hooked up to a plug that just have a plug coming off of it and they can hang it where they need to run an extension cord to light it and, and they're done. But it has to be on a separate power source from the rest of your, again, our case mm -hmm. had to be on a separate power source from the rest of right. the show lighting because it's emergency lighting. 
when the fire alarm goes off, they need to be able to shut down all of the show lighting, all of the show effects, and only have emergency lighting uh, remaining. So, and, and so there's the other thing. They have uh, emer- emergency lights, same thing, with a plug. And those get plugged into the show lighting circuit so that when the show lighting circuit goes dead, the battery backup takes over and all of those lights turn on. Exit lights go onto a separate permanent circuit so that they are always on and are then uh, remain on when the show lighting gets cut off. And then we had to play around with the smoke detectors this year as well, because they had in many, most cases they were using smoke detectors, but that me, but they were very sensitive to the fog machines that we were using for <laughs> the, uh, for the laser vortex and the laser and vortex, by the way, has been a huge hit. Freaking love it. Just as a note, that is very, very common that fog <laughs> machines will set off smoke detectors. Indeed. Even in professional theater situations. Indeed. <laughs> or, or high school theater situations. Yep. As I learned uh, multiple times in my uh, amateur theater career. Yeah. Cinderella was a mess. <laughs> so that was even before we lit the stage on fire. Indeed. Indeed. So what we Don't did. Recommend. Agreed. So what we did with uh, the smoke detectors closest to the laser vortex was we actually swapped them out with a heat detector instead of a smoke detector. So mm. not sensitive to, uh, to smoke, but extremely sensitive to temperature. And so in that way, we were able to get around the, the smoke detectors. Highly dependent on what your uh, fire marshal will it allows. Well, also what your ambient temperature is going to be. That as well. Because, I mean, yes, those are supposed to trigger for very, very high heat. But in if you're in a place that already, you know, is regularly hot, you add in stage lighting and everything else. Or you have stage it, lighting too close to your heat sensor. Then you risk setting it off very, very quickly yeah. um, to confusion and hazards everywhere. Indeed. For uh, for the sensors, the smoke detectors and heat sensors, uh, we had to have one basically in every hallway and in every room. So it was the same requirements as you would have for like a house. <laughs> which Sorry, I laugh was, because my house has one smoke detector. I know, mine too, which drives me nuts. But like <laughs> that, that boggled my mind because like these two mobile home trailers, there's 10 rooms in there. One big hallway going through, but 10 rooms. And the rooms are like in many cases, six feet apart from like end to end. Like this seems excessive to me, but code is code. And the fire marshal gets what he wants is period. Like <laughs> otherwise you don't get to open. I was like, the, the, <laughs> as I take my business law class this semester, don't <laughs> mess with liability. Don't mess with liability. Seriously. If you do everything I, right and someone gets hurt, at least you won't be liable. Well, you might still be liable, liable. but at least you can prove that you took all of the steps that you were required to, obligated to, and that works in your favor. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, The other big thing for the fire marshal was, of course, the fire extinguishers. And um, we had to have just fire extinguishers in readily accessible locations. In some cases, they were visible. In many other cases, they were not visible, but all the actors had to know where they were uh, in case they or know where their nearest one was so that if there's an (laughs) issue, they can grab it and hopefully uh, prevent the issue from becoming a bigger problem. So smoke detectors, fire extinguishers, uh, and then all of the building code requirements were just 
it was it was absolutely enlightening for me. But learn some cool ways to uh, to meet that in a mobile manner. Well, and we've talked about these types of things before. So again, a lot of it is just this: what are the codes of your region? What are the requirements for your type of a haunt? You know, obviously this is much more extensive of a haunt than what we've done with our home haunting. So that makes a big difference. Also indoor versus outdoor with paneled walls and no ceiling. Indeed. Indeed. And like what um, Leonard Pickle had, like what I've learned from Leonard Pickle's classes was the way that he has gotten around a lot of these code requirements was by putting all of his haunts in tents and because it's not a permanent roof there is less requirement for things like a sprinkler system or and less requirements for the fog machine or um, the smoke detectors if it's a non-permanent structure it changes a little bit and so the best advice i can give you is uh, go dig out the laws for your local area um, dig out the building codes see what's applicable most to you and then be prepared to have that conversation when you go meet with the fire marshal before you start building. Go before. Yes. Go before. Ask a lot of questions. You know, ask them again, ask them to come out, see if they can check in before you get to the point of, hi, we need to be certified, approved to open. That way you're not having them come out and then it'd be like, oh, yeah, here's this really, really big, glaring, missing thing that we both kind of forgot to ask about. You have those things in place prior. Yeah. And the best advice that Leonard Pickle ever gave on that was when you have the the fire marshal come out to do the inspection, ideally like a week before you intend to open, have a group of people following along behind. And every time he points something out, you go fix that. Next thing, you go fix that. Next thing, you go fix that. So that he sees you are immediately taking action on the issues. And then if you can get that, it's also a case of the person who's being asked to fix it listened to what the fire marshal said, heard what needed yes. to be broken. So you're getting this immediate, you know, and direct. Here is problem. Here is solution. Same person who hears about the problem goes and deals with the solution. And and you're not dealing with like the telephone game where a person was walking around with the fire marshal taking notes, but may not have quite understood what came out of the fire marshal's mouth the way that they intended. By having a person who is standing there listening to the fire marshal, you're not, there's no breaking communication. The communication is from the fire marshal to the person fixing it, and then, and they go. But if you have someone following behind and fixing all of these things, then, and you can convince the fire marshal to, you know, walk it again, see that all of these things have been fixed, and you can get him to sign off that day before he leaves, great. You don't have to have him come back. Having him come back runs the risk of him seeing something else later and you not having time enough to fix it. Or just scheduling. Does he have time to come back? How many that haunts too. are, you know, very, because there are certainly areas where there's a lot of haunts opening. Ohio. And Ohio, <laughs> Pennsylvania. The Midwest. <laughs> so give yourself the ability to succeed by being proactive. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we drove off on a tangent there, but that's okay because it was a really good tangent. But it kind of leads me into uh, my next thought, and that's signage. We have talked quite a bit about signage in the past, but really focused on advertising signage and getting people to come to your haunt. But now I'm seeing the importance of 
using signage operational for, crowd, signage. for operational signage. Exactly. And it's everything from like entrance that way. Um, the candle lighters have two different lines. So they call, they have the good fairy line, which they literally send you in with, they call them the good fairies. They have, uh, they're dressed up like fairies. They have sparkly light up wings. And when groups come in with that for the littlest kids, uh, the haunt actors know not to scare anyone. There's no jumping out. Uh, and then they have the regular line. So they That's have adorable. signs pointing to good fairy line this way, regular line this way. Uh, ticket booth here, game tickets here, restrooms that way. All of the um, the midway games and and things have big signs that show what is there, so that people can know what line to get into. Um, it like the operational signage makes things run so much smoother. And what I'm seeing is, well, this isn't really a surprise. People are dumb, <laughs> and people in large crowds are dumber. I don't know what it is, but and people in large crowds stop thinking critically. <laughs> and so the more obvious you can make where people need to go to do the things that they want to do, the smoother your night is going to run. And the happier the patients are going to be. If you're that sitting too. here going, you've got a six-year-old who desperately needs to go pee because they didn't go before you got in the car and never drove happens. two hours. Never happens. <laughs> never, never. Um, you don't have a frustrated parent and a uncomfortable child wandering around trying to find a person who's the right person to ask where the bathrooms are yes yes so you're giving your patrons a better service even without having more people involved yep this is not something that i had really put a lot of thought into because our haunts have been so incredibly straightforward but after seeing how much more smoothly the candle lighters ran compared to how sanguine ran last year uh, i'm definitely going to be investing in operational signage for my next haunt and in fact i'm already doing that a bit for the haunted ship and the zombie haunt like i'm talking to the the mwr director who's making all of our signage i want an entrance sign for over here i want an exit sign for over here i want you know haunted ship that way zombie haunt that way and trying to make it easy especially since my two haunts are in a different part of the base from where most of the activity is going to be happening. Having signage to point people the right direction will make things run much more smoothly. People aren't going to get lost. People aren't going to feel anxious. If you're the type of person who's, you know, big crowds or new places and new situations gives you anxiety, having signage there makes you a lot more comfortable because you're just like, okay, I need to stand in this line. I am in the right spot. Okay, we're good. And the happier your patrons are, the more likely they're going to keep spending money. Mm -hmm. And they're going to give you good reviews. So more people will come out to see you and they'll come back next year. Exactly. Because they'll remember exactly. that they had a good time. And signage is also, again, it's a way to provide additional service without requiring additional personnel to be standing around in, you know, big silly hat saying, go this way for this, go this <laughs> way for this, go this way for this. That's right. It's way easier to put a sign up than to pay an actor to stand there every night. Like, you're, it's a one-time expense rather than an every night expense. Like there's no downside here. Get, get some signs and they don't have to be elaborate signs either, but the easier they are to read, I'm thinking con high contrast colors, uh, mm -hmm. orange and black, perhaps an idea. Might <laughs> the easier, the might, easier might they are season. to read, <laughs> then the easier your night is going to go. 
on that, uh, that that you know, this is actually segueing beautifully into my into my points way better than I thought it would because the next thing I want to talk about is crowd control and signage is really your first step Crucial. of crowd control. Crucial for crowd control, but uh, more than that, what? So I absolutely love the midway idea uh, that the candlelighters are doing because it gives people something to do while waiting for their chance to go into the queue line or while waiting to get into the queue line or waiting to go into the haunt. I'm waiting for someone, the other half of their group to come out of the haunt. Yes, absolutely. You know, I have uh, a a young child who didn't want to go into the haunt. I can keep them entertained in the midway while the rest of my group is going. I freaking love it. (laughs) Freaking love it. The having some sort of entertainment for that queue line just makes it a more enjoyable experience for for your patrons. I'd love to see them do like a virtual queue. I don't know that they'll, they will ever get to that. And honestly, with like the crowd sizes, we were seeing about, I don't know, probably 1500 a night over a three or four hour people, three or four hour period. So a decent sized crowd, but not like, we're not talking scare factory numbers here. Right. Or sorry, we're not talking fear factory numbers here. I think you could combine that with a digital queue line and then you don't have people standing in line. They all just entertain themselves with the uh, over in the midway. And you get a text message on your phone when it's time to uh, actually go into the haunt. Haunt Pay has started doing this. Uh, and I'm hearing a lot of feedback from the, in the industry that it is, it's working spectacularly. So combining like that digital queue combined with, um, with ways to entertain your, your queue line same thing. It's improving the experience for your patrons. It's making them want to spend more money at your hunt. It's also spreading them out. It's also spreading them out. Exactly. Because now instead of everybody waiting in a line, they all get to kind of, you know, free roam. It's like chickens, free roam. Um, <laughs> free range patrons. Free range patrons. Delicious for zombie apocalypse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that image. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> okay, now I really want to set that up. <laughs> this is a free range patron farm. I was going to say, next time we do that, uh, <laughs> do a zombie haunt, we are, we are 100% doing that. That's amazing. Oh, wait, I'm doing a zombie haunt this year. We got to find a way to incorporate that. <laughs> Say free range. <laughs> oh, I'm not allowed unsupervised today. Agreed. Agreed. Good thing I'm here to yes. encourage you. <laughs> right. uh, so other ways that you can entertain, uh, have something out there for them to look at. Uh, I think so candle lighters are doing this in a couple of different ways. One of them was me. I was mm-hmm. the Q line entertainment. Granted, I'm not there every night, but when I'm able to. Uh, so I took Mortimer Ghost uh, from VFX, the puppet, and we are just wandering around through the uh, through the midway and uh, along the queue and entertaining people who are who are standing there waiting. I've had a blast with him because you know he's a he's a family friendly ghost, and this is a family friendly um, a family friendly venue. Yeah. So well, I've been doing things like we, I look for a group of people who are very focused on uh, conversation with each other or someone who's looking down at their phone and not paying attention to what's around them. And then I'll get up nice and close to them, uh, have Mortimer come up right next to their head and then hit his sound effects. 
so he starts going, you know, making goofy, goofy sounds, but it still makes them jump. And it is freaking hysterical watching a grown man or a grown woman jump because they were not paying attention. What is wrong with people who are standing in line for a haunted house and they are not paying attention to what's around you? You're just asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And One of those I cases was, where paying attention is important. Exactly. And I was in Haunter's Hangout the other day and saw a post from a Q-Line actor who was talking about how they were amazed at the number of people who were asking them to take pictures of them while standing in the Q-Line, like handing their phone to a Q-Line actor, asking them to take their picture, and then being surprised when the Q-Line actor wanders off with their phone. Like, <laughs> you're at a haunted house. What are you thinking? <laughs> Get what you deserve here. Like, <laughs> like, who does that? But oh wait, oh wait, people do because they don't think exactly. But all of this is just making it more entertaining for the people who are standing there in line, and especially because you're standing there in line, like it is so easy to get bored and have a have a terrible time if the line is long. Having some sort of entertainment for the queue uh, to focus on, so they're not focused on the wait is is huge uh some for my queue line at the ship i'm going to be using um so i'm going to be doing some backstory stuff there so i found a cool documentary on uh, on youtube that talks about the england brothers escape and so i'm going to be it's like a news clip and so i'm going to have a television out there that will play this news clip and to uh, to talk about escapes from alcatraz and then i'll intersperse that with some other things like um, I got a cool video from Spectral Illusions talking about haunted house rules, and it's a skeleton who pops up and um, and just goes through the rules of a haunt. You know, no touching actors, no touching other people, no open lights, no open flames, no weapons, all of that stuff. And it's a, just a fun and engaging way to tell people the rules of your haunt. <laughs> How to behave. Be, don't be a dick is what it comes down to. <laughs> it's amazing how often that uh, people that's need the just baseline. Need a People just need a reminder sometimes. Don't be a dick. And talking skeletons, great way to give that reminder. Always, always. So I want to find a couple other videos that I can intersperse with that as well, but uh, that's going to be part of our Q-Line entertainment. And then, of course, my personal favorite, the singing pumpkins. They, they are family <laughs> friendly. They're amusing. They're, I love the music. So they'll be out on the pier as well, uh, just you know, hanging out, singing songs, and entertaining the crowd while waiting to come you on should- to the ship. Grab um, documentary snapshots of kelp forests, sharks, um, just some of the additional pieces that are already going to be there. I bet I could find a two-minute clip talking about giant Pacific octopuses or talking Mm -hmm. about eels or talking about the Humboldt squid. Yep. Whatever. Yeah, I love that idea. That's I need to write that down. Basically, just take all the things that we know we're putting in there and preface Set it, set it up in the back of their mind so that when they see it, they're like, oh, shit, a giant Pacific octopus because it's already there. they know there something about it. <laughs> they can know something about it besides it's giant, lives in the Pacific, and is an octopus. Yeah. I also got to see if I can find any, like, shipwrecks that happened on Alcatraz. I don't know if there have been. Um, but, like, mm. some of the ghosts that we're having come on are, like, um, ship passengers that may have crashed onto Alcatraz. See if you, I see Leslie starting to do research. See if you can find anything because that would be awesome. Uh, and then going back to crowd control, because that just took a turn, uh, security, I think it is also something worth talking about. So the San Rafael. 
Now Leslie's distracted. Those candle lighters are doing security in a couple different ways. They have a paid security guard who is there every night and overnight so that they don't have to pack up everything every night. And so uh, they have the paid security and he's already uh, shown his value. But then they also have like volunteer security who are handling, uh, I'm going to call it the more minor things. And that's everything from uh, a breakage in the middle of the show. Uh, I'll have a story about that in a moment. Actually, may as well tell that now because that's, that's kind of where we're at. So Friday night, there was an incident. And all that I saw of it was I was wandering the midway with Mortimer, as I do. And I see our, our final actor, the one positioned at the exit, signaling the security guard, like, come here, come here. We need you. Come here. And had, had no context. Uh, but I see him go, uh, not running, but walking briskly up to the, to the exit to go deal with whatever was happening. As it turns out, somebody like, so they have uh, just room number nine. So two rooms before the end, you come around a corner and right in front of you, you see uh, Ursula, the sea witch, uh, a scene with Ursula, the sea witch, tempting Ariel. It's got uh, a boat, sunken boat in it with a skeleton trying to drive. It looks phenomenal. Kelp hanging everywhere. I, I love it. I helped design the lighting for that room and I'm very happy with how it turned out. But right across from it, there is a little niche that an actor dressed as a mermaid hides in. And as you're approaching the room, you come up to the room, you turn right immediately, and then the room is on your right, the niche is on your left. So when you come up, you are facing the room and most people don't turn around. They don't turn because they're looking into the room. And so they have the actor at their back. And this mermaid scared a man so badly, he threw himself against the wall and actually broke the wall. It was impressive. Wow. So this is mid-show. We're about an hour from closing at this point, And a man has just thrown himself <laughs> into the wall so hard he broke the wall. So... One of because mm -hmm. I'm I've got Mortimer and I'm act I'm volunteer security this night, and I'm also super handy and they know I'm super handy. Uh, one of the the candle lighters waves me over. She's like, "Something broke. I need you." So I get Mortimer situated and then we go go zipping in and find the break. It's like, well, shit. Okay, now what? We do some quick uh, brainstorming about how we're best going to fix this. And like, all we really need to do is take a couple pieces of wood, sandwich the, uh, the thing together, you know, a couple of screws. It will hold it in place long enough for us to get through the Finish night. Finish the night. And then we can, we can fix it properly tomorrow. So that's exactly what we do. We, we run back, grab some, uh, some scrap wood, just start screwing pieces together to hold the, hold the shape of this frame the wall frame in place so that it's not going to move anymore tonight. And then uh, we try to get out of there. Well, as we're moving back into, you know, where we don't want to go about out the exit where people can see us. So we're heading back into um, back toward the entrance. And as we do, we, we realize there's a group of patrons coming through ahead of us. So we get stopped halfway through the haunt stuck because there's a group of patrons coming from the front and we're like, now what? So we turn around, go zipping out the back, and then um, finally managed to get to an emergency exit door, and we're able to slip out the emergency exit door. But so couple, so number of things there that I want to talk about. Uh, security, having a security 
designated security personnel who can handle issues that arise. Uh, they pay someone specifically who is trained to handle, uh, I'm going to say, the more, I don't want to use the word violent. Violence not quite what I mean. But the higher risk situations, they have a person who is trained to handle those situations. And he has shown that uh, the value of having someone uh, having someone do that. And then the volunteer security who is able to zip in and handle issues that come out come up through the night. So like uh, I've had to refill fog machines. We have, most people think, so there's a story of a kid who was killed uh, at the carriage house, you know, a hundred years ago and was buried under a tree that's still there in the parking lot. And many of the candlelighters think that he still haunts that carriage house. I have not seen anything specific, at least until Friday. When someone, uh, one of the candlelighters grabbed me and said, hey, the guillotine in room three, this is the pneumatic guillotine that I built. Um, you, you need to go look at the guillotine. So I slip in behind a group as they're, as they're going, you know, just kind of follow them behind. And then when I get to room three, I just stay there while they continue on. The idea, so uh, we're not interfering with, uh, with the throughput. But when I get to room three, I see the guillotine has moved like two feet. It knocked over the basket that's holding the head. The body that's supposed to be on the backside has fallen over. And I cannot for the life of me figure out a way that that guillotine could have moved <laughs> that much. Unless somebody literally, like every one of these rooms, the patrons are not able to get in. There is a wall with... Uh, kind of a mesh screen over it so they can see in, but unless you're actually know how to, you know, open up the room to get into it, there's no way for the patrons to get in there. I cannot for the life of me figure out a way that the guillotine could have moved as much as it did without somebody physically moving it. And with no way for a person to get into it, I, I've got no good explanation for how the guillotine moved. And Heavily like, localized earthquake. Heavily localized earthquake. Exactly. Even like even when I went in, you know, I triggered the motion sensor as I was walking up. It operated the way it's supposed to down up in, in the time period it's supposed to do. The programming was all normal. I got it resituated. I put the basket back. I put the body back, got everything in place without getting my hand caught in the pneumatics, trying to, you know, moving it. Cause I didn't turn it off while I was doing all of this. And like, I just cannot figure out a way that the pneumatics could have moved it as much as it did. There's, there's no way. So I don't have a good explanation except that Jeffrey, the ghost may have been messing with it. And like, we've seen a few other things that Jeffrey may have been doing. Uh, sound has been doing some weird things, speakers turning on and off and playing at weird times and, and all of that. Uh, people talking about their shoelaces getting untied, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But Having my, I guess my point is you never know what may cause or you never know what might need to get fixed inside the haunt. And so having designated personnel who are able to do that, absolutely critical. And I mean, do that mid show. It doesn't have to be fixed perfectly, but it has to be fixed enough that the show can go on without ruining the quality of the show for the patrons who are coming behind. Yeah. And something that can be fixed, you know, relatively quickly or being able to get your you know maintenance staff and people to every location that might have something that can break yeah and that that's another another key point having those corridors or even just like emergency exit doors that 
your maintenance staff can slip in and out of mid-show. And mostly I was slipping out of them. Like I would follow a group in to wherever repairs need to be done, do my repair and then slip out an emergency door so that I wasn't, or so one, I knew where the groups were and so that I wasn't accidentally opening an emergency door when there's someone stand, when there's a group passing by, which would be super awkward. Yeah. But, and it's also, you know, you're not having to waste time going through the haunt every single time and trying yes. to stay with a group. You're able to zip in, get where you need to get to and then hop out. Yeah. And if like, if this was a bigger structure and there's just no way with these two mobile trailers to make it a bigger structure, to have secret passages that I could just hang out in and get to wherever I needed to, like the haunt has up in Michigan, that would be amazing. That is not the case here. And so having emergency <laughs> exit doors um, to allow me to get around, super critical. And something that I will now be building into my haunts because I now understand how critical it is. <laughs> the other half of that, the, the emergency repairs is uh, the emergency toolkit. Uh, and just having a number of things on hand to make these ready repairs has been super helpful. So the big ones that I've been needing, uh, my drill, because it's much faster to use that to screw things in and out than to do it by hand. Um, brackets. So like metal construction brackets that you use for connecting um, two by four, like, especially if you're building a deck and you're connecting, you know, pieces together, having brackets like that in my tool mm. bag, super easy. Uh, those flat ones came in handy when they broke the wall and I was able to wedge a couple of those together. Four screws done. I'm out screws of various sizes in my tool bag, just inside a little, um, you know, like a peanut butter jar or something with a cap so they don't fall out. Uh, but I have them ready to go, uh, for doing those easy repairs, uh, zip ties, big one and regular plastic zip ties of various sizes, but also those uh, metal zip ties that I discovered at Home Depot that I absolutely adore now. They're in my go-to bag as well. Uh, and then uh, a couple other things, a hammer, because you never know what might get bent and need a good whack or like uh, we just, one of the actors cut his hand on a protruding screw that we didn't realize was there. Uh, so I was able to nip that off with just a pair of uh, diagonal cutters so that it wasn't a danger to him anymore. And then of course, duct tape. After I nip the screw off, put a piece of duct tape over it so there's no more sharp edges and it's no longer a danger to my actors. All things that have just in two days proven to be super critical in my go-to maintenance bag. <sighs> it occurs to me that we never took a break. And we're now like three quarters or more through the podcast. Is it too late to take a break? No, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and then we'll finish. And then it's now time. <laughs> I like it. So let's take a quick break here from our sponsors, and then we will uh, finish out this episode. Thank you for those uh, lovely words from our sponsors. And thank you to all of our sponsors because you make this whole thing happen Possible. in so Indeed. many ways. So many ways. Uh, in On that note, if you have word that you want to get out to the industry through our podcast, please let us know because we have a variety of ways that we can help you do that through our sponsorship program. Go check out our website at hauntingyou.com and you can learn more about our sponsorship program and all the ways that we can help get your word out to the people who need to hear it most. 
You so, are definitely not stealing my cheese. <laughs> and there's Layla. We knew she would show up at some point. It was a good puppy. Yeah. A good puppy. The, so the last topic I really want to talk about is actor management. And this is like, I have been, so all of my haunts thus far have been uh, run and staffed by my friends. So like actor management for me has been fairly loosely defined because they're my friends and it's just very different than having complete strangers come in to run your haunt. What the candlelight who, you know, but they're, they're doing this because of other reasons than they got called up and said, Hey, I'll give you pizza. Yeah, exactly. What the candlelighters do to staff their haunt is they actually use local high school students. So the high schools out here have a, uh, a community service requirement for graduation. And many of the students get their community service hours by working at this haunt. And when I say many, like I could not believe the line of high school students who came out to sign up on the day they did signups. It was easily like 400 students came out to sign up for a couple of nights here or there, whatever. Dang. Um, yeah. Like it, it, it was impressive, but that means they're bringing in people who are basically uh, unexperienced and need lots of guidance and can't provide anything themselves. And so it is completely on the haunt to do makeup, costuming and training for all of these actors. So couple, couple of things that I've, I've noticed, um, uh, the prep work, well, so scheduling, like finding volunteers is always a struggle. And so it works, it works out well here because of that community service project, because this is for a nonprofit, they're able to tap into that requirement and uh, incentivize students to come out and, and be their volunteers. Well, and to stick around because getting volunteers to sign up is easy. <laughs> getting volunteers to show up is generally speaking a different matter entirely. Ruth, so much truth in that statement. So if you can find some way to incentivize your actors, uh, whether they're volunteers or whether they're paid, if they're paid, I mean, there's your incentive right there. But if they're volunteers, look for ways that you can incentivize your actors to make sure that they actually show up. And then again, pizza only goes so far. Pizza only goes so far. Once they show up, though, what do you do with them? There are several things that have to happen. They need makeup, they need costumes, they need uh, training, and they need and you know some level of guidance. And some level of supervision. And some level of supervision. So the candlelighters have two people that are, well, really four people who are dedicated to dealing with the actors. They have uh, a makeup person and really she, you know who leads the team they have a costume person who leads that team and then they have two people whose sole purpose is nothing but coordinating the volunteers they're handling signups they're handling scheduling they're handling the people who um oh i have to call in cancels sick. yeah exactly and that is their full-time job running this haunt and it is a full-time job while running this haunt yeah oh yeah and honestly, you know, okay, yes, you guys are working with high schoolers. That would be a full-time job, even if you're working with adults. Yeah, I'm sure. No like, doubt. It's directing and managing volunteers and coordinating all volunteer activities at any level in any organization is a full-time job. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when once the students get on site, uh, they've 
kind of got it down to to clockwork what what's happening. First thing they do is send them to makeup. Um, they're in the makeup chair for five to seven minutes while getting fairly basic makeup done, uh, and then immediately shuttle them off to the uh, the costuming half. So this is all inside one mobile trailer that's off to the side of the haunts in in the backstage area. So into the makeup chair, into the costume chair. Once they are costumed, they go next door into uh, the actor management trailer. And this is like the, the green room. This is where the actors get to hang out. There are snacks there. There's water there. There's cough drops there. All of the things an actor could need to prepare themselves for the night. And they're, they just hang out there uh, in the green room until it's showtime. Once it's showtime, so high schoolers again and need a fair amount of guidance. And so I like the way that they're, they're handling this. They literally assign them numbers based on when, where they're going to be in the haunt. Basically first actor, um, the person, the guest will come to is actor number one. The last actor that the guest will come to is actor number 11. And so they are numbered and then they are lined up by that number. And the, the volunteer coordinator is very precise in how she does this. Because it lets everyone know who's going to be on either side of them in the inside the haunt itself. And if there are any issues that need to be communicated outside the haunt, they know to pass to the people next to them to get that word all the way back to the front. If someone gets hurt or the front or back, depending, you know, if someone gets hurt Mm -hmm. inside the haunt, if someone's freaking out and needs to leave, if uh, something gets broken, all of that word is passed uh, basically by the telephone chain down the line of actors. So by lining them up by by number, they now know that communication chain very quickly and easily. And then when it's actually time to take them in, she literally will start at the front of the haunt and say, actor number one, this is going to be your location. Here's what you're going to do. Gives them a little on-the-site training there in the spot. And everybody else Mm. is hearing it as well. She goes one all the way through. Everybody kind of knows... But more to the point, you're getting these instructions right before you have to start doing it. So right you before the you risk. have to do it, you minimize the risk of what was I supposed to do again? Where exactly. Am I? And and all of the spaciness that comes from being a person. Indeed, indeed, and everybody is hearing it, so everybody knows what's happening everywhere else which has a little bit of advantage as well. If something happens mid-show and you need to replace somebody, I can easily you know, pick you out of here, drop you over here, and you still have an idea of what needs to happen. That allows us to fill the absolutely critical roles that are key to the story um, with people who are less key to the story elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I design my haunts in a similar way because I don't always know how many uh, of my friends, I'm going to be able to co-opt into doing this. And so same thing. We have our, I'm going to call them the critical actors, which are key to making the story make sense. And then I have other places that we can fill in more if if we have more people. A great example of that uh, for the haunted ship is our sea creature attack in the kelp field. At a minimum, I really just need one sea creature that can attack. But I have four different locations that I could have some sea creatures attacking from. So if I have more actors, I have more sea creatures. If I have less actors, some of those sea creatures are going to be static. Not a big deal. It's slightly less of good of a show, but the story still makes sense. Yeah, your storyline is still stable. So knowing where those places are where you can trade out and where those places are where you absolutely have to have a person. 
Yep. And then any of us who have acted in a haunt understand this. Haunting is physically and emotionally exhausting. It is very physical yeah. work. You are on your feet. You're moving in weird ways. You're doing crazy stuff. Mortimer is freaking heavy, and I'm holding him above my head for hours at a time. It is exhausting. And so you have to have a way to make sure that your actors are staying hydrated, number one, have opportunities to use the restroom, because I don't know about the rest of you, but I can't hold my pee for four hours. They're able to get cough drops. They're able to get... Um, whatever else that they need to stay at the top of their game. The way the candlelighters do that, because they have two different lines, they have you know the good fairy line and then they have the scary line, they are actually able to build in a break for the actors halfway through the night and only sending good fairy patrons through during that break. So they can maintain their throughput, basically mm. pull all of the actors out for 10 minutes, maintain the throughput uh, by having the good fairy line go through, put the actors back in between groups and then start the scary line up again. And it works great. Like it's, it's perfect. If you don't have a good fairy line, it's a little bit harder to do that. And so what I've done in the past is have like, if you, if you have an extra actor, you have an extra actor who can fill in and just kind of jump from position to position and relieve an actor for a time period to let them go use the bathroom, let them go get water, whatever, come back. And then you move on to the next one and, and do it that way. This is also really useful when you have um, a very, very experienced actor or yes. someone who's very, very good at improv because they will be able to step in. This is this is one of the places that you really want to utilize those actors is to give everybody else a break because they'll be able to jump to each of the different places and maintain the integrity and the flow of your haunt story and give everybody a break in the process. Yeah, my cue line actors tend to be the actors who have the best improv because they're out there thinking on their feet and interacting one-on-one -on -one with guests. They are, and they're also the ones who have the most mobility. And so being able to, you know, pick a cue line actor or two to go relieve positions in the haunt uh, works really well for me. And then at the same time, also uh, reiterating to my actors that one, when you are in, when you're in, when you're on stage, you are in character, period. No questions asked, always. That being said, I like to let them hide a bottle of water somewhere in their space, but I'm very careful to instruct them. If you're going to get a drink of water, do it immediately after a group leaves. Group has left. That, because that's the most amount of time you'll have to reset before the next one comes, and then you are right back in character. That allows them to, you know, make sure they are staying hydrated because I have I have had uh, inexperienced actors who just go all in and have literally made themselves sick, like threw up in the middle of a show because they were not taking care of themselves in the middle of the show. And if you're working with inexperienced actors, if you're working with high schoolers or younger kids, you actually need to have more supervision on them than you would otherwise simply on the basis of they are going to go all in they are yeah. going to be 100 and they are not able they do not know how to read their own system to recognize i need to stop now and take a break yeah and again a lot of them it's also because they're having so much fun <laughs> they completely forget about it especially and that's definitely if you're dealing with younger kids seriously absolutely 
So, so your job is as much to give them the opportunity to have fun and do this as it is to make sure that they are doing this safely and staying healthy and not getting themselves sick. So that way they can come back the next night and do it again. Yeah. And that's what kind of what I was doing as a Q-line actor. I was every so often I would go through the haunts just on my own. Uh, one, because it gives me a chance to you know experience with the what the actors are doing as well, but I'm also checking up on them. Like, Hey, are you guys doing okay? You need water or anything. And, and that way they're able to, um, to communicate to someone else. Hey, I, I really need a couple of cough drops. Can someone bring them in? You know, something like that. Or just, you're just the person that has them stop and think about it. Yeah. That too. Just force force them to think about How are you feeling? How are, if, if, if I don't have someone checking on that, I will forget sometimes, especially if I'm in the middle and I'm doing something and I'm having fun. Leslie, when was the last time you had food? Have you had any water today? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. And in you know scenarios where I'm doing something, it's worse. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, especially coming to the end of the night, like there are per- periods uh, at the end of each night where uh, there's just longer breaks between people coming over to the queue. They're having too much fun over the midway. And, uh, and so we have, we have breaks and the actors don't know that all they, they have no idea what's going on outside. They have no idea when the next group is coming, anything like that. And so having one of your cool line actors be able to go through and, and kind of communicate what's going on outside is also really helpful because it helps them um, better set their expectations for like, well, when's the next group coming? Can I? Well, especially when they have to be in character the whole time. Yeah. Yep. They're like, okay, we're not having a whole bunch. You guys are going to give us, you know, we have up to 10 minutes. Okay. I can kind of turn things off for 10 minutes and exactly. then get ready again. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, all, all I want to say on that, uh, the other big thing that always comes to mind with uh, when I'm talking about actors is uh, sickness. You know, it's that time of year we're getting into fall colds become more common. The flu is becoming more common. COVID is still a thing. And uh, you're putting a whole bunch of people into a close, into close quarters who and quarters. Then forcing them to uh, interact with a whole bunch of random people. Uh, everybody talks about the haunt crud, like the haunt crud goes around every haunt every year and taking steps to mitigate the haunt crud ahead of time can be helpful. And that could be as simple as like, uh, you know, downing vitamin or um, downing emergency or something similar to that. That's worked for me in the past. Uh, My wife makes a really phenomenal ginger tea that like the moment we start getting a sore throat, just start chugging it. And, and it's, it seems to uh, minimize the, the effects of whatever we were going to get. That's also about reminding, you know, you've got a bunch of high schoolers, you've got a bunch of people who, Hey, we worked together last year. We're good friends and reminding them guys don't share water. Don't share. Yes. Yes. You know, the the stuff that we were told perpetually in high school and ignored anyway, but just make sure that you say it as well as like, wash your hands. You know, it, it starts the simple stuff like that. Reiterate it because it will help keep down the haunt crud a bit. And the more you can keep it down, the more haunting you can do while feeling good. Yep. And the other thing, uh, even in the off season, um, for for professional hunters in particular, uh, in the off season, make sure you're taking care of yourself, Leslie. And that can be as little as There's water. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you have water. Making sure you are well hydrated before you ever get to the haunt, absolutely critical. 
making sure you have you are in some level of physical shape for what you are going to be doing is really helpful. Sliders, um, sliders, huge. Uh, but really, like cardio can be important for anyone. Um, frick, using Mortimer uh, the puppet. So Mortimer is a little bit different than the other than the Sally puppet I also have from VFX because he's got a mobile jaw, and so. I'm using muscles that I don't normally use with him. So one, like I'm holding my arm basically, you know, at a 90 degree angle for 15 or 20 minutes at a time, hold supporting his weight with that. So one, like these muscles on the back of my shoulder, absolutely killing me by the end of the night and the next morning, as well as like, because I'm manipulating his, his mouth the whole night. So I'm doing like, um, imagine you know puppet where my thumb is the bottom of the mouth and the rest of my fingers the top of the mouth but that motion over and 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 over for the whole freaking night like the end of the first night someone handed me a leftover hot dog and it's like oh thank you i'm starving and i tried to put mustard on it and my hand did not want to squeeze the mustard bottle because it had been doing that motion all night long and it was just like no i'm done screw you use your other hand damn it <laughs> <laughs> but like i and i had even prepared i got one of those like grippy things to improve your your grip strength i'd been using that to to help improve and it was not enough my hands my hand and arm are still killing me even today like i had yesterday off i was not acting yesterday and my arm is still sore from thursday and friday nights so the the better shape you're in going into the season the easier it's going to be. That's what I'm going to say. And and again, you know, if you are a regular haunt actor, you know, start getting that information about what requirements your character is going to have you be doing. Yeah. And plan ahead for that. If you know yes. you're going to be thrashing around on a bed, figure out how to do that without <laughs> damaging yourself. Practice. Exactly. Practice. Practice makes perfect for everything, even thrashing around on the bed. Right. <laughs> so that that's really the thoughts that I've had uh, just these last couple of days watching how the candlelighters run their haunt and um, beginning to apply it into how I run my haunts. It has been uh, really an education. Getting to work with a professional haunt is definitely making me a better haunter. And I would recommend it to anyone, particularly if like us, you one day want to go professional go find a place where you can uh, go find a haunt that you can volunteer at uh, or even, you know, work at, get hired. And because getting to see how other people do things will help you do things better. It, it's and again, that, that's, that's, it, it is that simple. And that's exactly why we run this podcast is we get to talk about what we do. We get to talk about what we learn and we get to share that with everybody. So that way you can take advantage of that. Um, and find new ways to do things and how to do things and new techniques and new, new companies and everything. Exactly. Exactly. So there's, there's our thoughts. Uh, and I think, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good summary of, of what we've done. Couple other things I want to do before we completely wrap up. I meant to talk about this when we were talking about uh, the zombie hunt earlier, I've got to give a huge shout out to hello FX. So I'm using several of their 
their zombie projections in the zombie haunt. And so, you know, I was taking video of it and posting it on social media and tagging them because uh, I, I love to show companies what I'm doing with their products because I freaking love their products and I want, I want them to know how much I appreciate what they do. And Hello FX is cool because all of their digital decorations are really inexpensive, five or $10 for everything that they offer. So it's much cheaper than MSFX. It's cheaper than special illusions, most cases. And the quality is it's, it's really good quality as well, but, or not, but I don't mean, but, so I had posted uh, a couple of videos on Instagram and HelloFX actually reached out to me, you know, just saying, hey, we we're glad that you like it. But at one point they said something like, hey, um, if we, you know, we could uh, customize one of these for you, they, you know, they know we run the Haunted You podcast. We could put your logo on it if you wanted. And, and the one that they were talking about in specific, it, it was basically a, a warning sign, warning zombies ahead. And then a zombie comes bursting through the sign to uh to growl at people and they were offering to put our logo on that i'm like well you know the haunting you logo wouldn't wouldn't really be helpful but i'm making this haunt on a coast guard base could you do it with the coast guard seal so i sent them a jpeg of the coast guard seal and they turned that into the and they put that in instead so the zombie bursts through the coast guard seal and and comes out it looks awesome it looks amazing. I'm so excited to install it and, and show them because it's freaking awesome. So go check out HalloFX at HalloFX.com, H-A-L-L-O-W. They are an amazing company. I love their effects. And I just had to give them a huge shout out because the custom work that they're doing for us is, is really exciting and is really going to take our haunt to the next level. I'm, I'm super excited. And of course, I have to give a huge shout out to Spectral Illusions, who is sponsoring this episode. Yay! Bring more life to your haunt. You can find them at spectralillusions.com. And of course, get 15% off any one of their digital decorations by using the code HAUNTINGU15 with just the letter U. The last thing that I would want to do today is, of course, the Chambers Corner. However... Uh, poor Robert Knowlton is, uh, he literally opened his haunt on Friday night, two days ago. So go check out Scream Punk Haunt if you are in the, uh, in the vicinity of Reedsville, Pennsylvania. They are open every Friday and Saturday from now until October 30th. And uh, go check them out. They're, they're just way too busy to come up with a Chambers Corner for me this month. So we're, we'll move on. Uh, but our lack of Chambers Corner is, of course, being brought to you by Purgatory Props which has the awesome things that you're getting to use in Haunted Ship. Your source for Haunt Electronics at not-so-scary prices. You can find out more about them at purgatoryprops.com or on social media at purgatoryprops. You can get 10% off your order with Purgatory Props using the code HAUNTINGU. Again, just the letter U. And I cannot, like, I cannot say enough about how much I love Purgatory Props. I'm getting to do so many cool things for the haunted ship this year using their products that uh, I just would not get to do otherwise. So uh, Michael and the whole team there at Purgatory Props, thank you for making such cool stuff and I'm getting to make some cool stuff with it. So thanks guys. He's so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Les, you want to give a uh, quick rundown of all the rest of our social media. And then I think we call it a day. 
Anyone always asks me to do social media. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash haunting you. You can find us on Twitter at haunting univer one. That's haunting U-N-I-V-E-R one. You can find us on Instagram at haunting university. There you go. Um, our YouTube channel, you can reach from, well, our website, which is hauntingu.com. And honestly, I recommend just go check out the website at hauntingu.com because you find, there. you find everything from there. Exactly. And it's way easier than trying to uh, remember all of the social media stuff. But go, Especially since they're not consistent. Indeed. Thank you, social media. Thank you, social media. But go like and subscribe to the pages so you can be notified when we post new stuff. And especially our Instagram right now because that is where uh, all of the pictures and videos from my builds are, are getting posted as we go. Like... I take a video, I upload it, and like there's no editing or anything. It's just I'm just showing you exactly what we're doing as we're doing it. So it's it's the most fun to follow right now. Ah, oh, anything else last? What have we missed? Um, we've missed John. We have definitely missed John. The poor guy is just getting the snot kicked out of him. His son's bringing home all kinds of sicknesses from school, as children do. Uh, on top of you know work, and his wife is traveling all the time, and so we miss you, John. We hope to see you again soon. Don't die. Indeed. Indeed. But we no, love I you. Think, I think that's uh, everything for, for this episode. And again, we'll get this out quickly and wishing you all a very, very, very happy haunting. Indeed. We are just a couple of weeks away from Halloween. We are 12 days away from me opening uh, my two haunts. Uh, it, it's past crunch time. Like we are, we are right in the depths of crunch time. So uh, get finished up and don't forget to share your pictures to your social media, send us stuff and we will happily post it up on our, our social media. Cause we love showing off what, what everybody's doing and let's do it. it this is what we've been preparing for all year. Woo! Good time. All right. From all of us here at haunting you stay spooky, my friends and happy haunting. Bye everybody. Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more information on all the clips used in this episode. Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U or on Twitter using the handle at haunting Univer one that's haunting U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Be sure to check out our new page on Podbean at www.hauntingu.podbean.com.